This is the Your Sports Resource Podcast, where each week you'll learn actionable strategies that you can implement so the operations of your club support your coaching staff and the direction of your organization. We are committed to excellence in youth sports leadership. Let's get started. All right. Welcome everyone to the Your Sports Resource Podcast. Today we have Matt Boz and Jack Roach to continue our conversation on planning. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. (laughs) So we left the last uh, podcast talking about um, planning and the recommendation that we made was that the coaches and to go back and do a bit of reflection. And what we asked is for for them to look back on the year and look at meets, swimmers, uh, coaches, practices, communications, how they interact with parents, and even doing an audit of the space, the pool, the office space, and all that. And, you know, really do that reflection in all those areas to formulate how you move forward in the planning. So where I wanted to start today is, okay, so you've done the audit. Where do you go next? I think the biggest thing is getting that plan in place for what's coming next. So you know when kind of things are going to happen, right? You know what the schedule as far as championship meets and and things like that are going to pop up through that next season. So my my kind of take on it was always I would build backwards, right? I know when the championship meets are, so I'm going to put those on a calendar and I'm going to start working backwards to know how to plan out that next season, um, you know, from everything from when we're going to start to, you know, when our other meets are going to be, when our, um, maybe our social functions are going to be. Um, so those important dates can be, you know, not only in your mind, but those are things you can get out to your membership. So the, your athletes know, parents know. Um, and then it's something that I would always refer back to on a frequent basis. I mean, almost like, a, you know, if not, if not, we, you know, daily, it could have been a weekly where it was like, okay, where's my calendar, right? Like I got to <laughs> kind of see what's up because as you kind of get into a season, things become so busy. Sometimes just having that yeah. reference point to know um, is, is kind of crucial to kind of keep yourself and, and everybody on track. So you're talking about building an overarching calendar that includes mm-hmm. as many of the important dates as possible. Is that is yeah. that what you're what is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, okay. and it's not just swimming dates, right? There's so many other things that happen in a season that you want to just know what's on the what's on the horizon to be able to continue that communication out to people. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year, but also those reminders as you're, you know, whatever that, you know, if it's a newsletter, uh, you know, uh, email, whatever's going out to your membership, your, your athletes, um, you know, if you're talking on deck to them so that you can just kind of keep those reminders coming for them as well. So that I think, you know, from my perspective on the operation side, that would even include when board meetings are coming and when team, Mm -hmm. when you're going to have your team meetings. So visually what I could see is I can see, you know, in your shared, uh, drive or, you know, how you guys communicate electronically, you could have this giant calendar that everybody can plug into that has all the details of all the little minutiae. But I also saw, and one of our clients, I saw this like three-year 
calendar up on the wall. And it was pretty amazing because they, obviously you can't have every little board meet, every little meeting in there. But what I liked about it is it was very visual that they had all their meets that were coming up and any like important dates, like award ceremonies or things like that. So it was all visual. It was, wasn't just visual to the, um, to the coaches, it was visual to the swimmers and, and I would assume the parents, you know, I didn't see any parents, but to the parents, anybody who walked by it could actually see that schedule. And I, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. I know Jack, I don't know about you, but I used to, my office, I had a whole wall and that's all it was, was calendar, right? And it was, it was just, it was almost like two years worth, I think of calendars. There's everything written out. And I referred to that thing all the time. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, but, but as I listen to this, you know, I, I have to, uh, I have to separate certain things. And I think that why well, I know what we're talking about right now is the art and the science of coaching, right? It's not just one or the other. And I, I think that I have to separate the two. And when we talk about the science of coaching, you you either you start with looking at a season plan and based on the season plan you go into a workout daily and when i look at what a season plan looks like if i look at the i, I start with the dates and then the next category i have is the focus of those dates and then the next one is the competition that falls within those dates, the location of where I might be training or competing, then the quality of work that I'm doing during those weeks. And, mm -hmm. and then you need a theme of some sort. In other words, something to have a mental part of that, what you would like the athletes to focus in on that. So that, that's your calendar. And then in, in a, in a way to break it down even a little bit more, you have a spreadsheet that goes day by day. You have on the top, I had a 31 day column, column. So I could put, I could put what I wanted to do each day in that column. And then going down, I had each month. And, and that's the way I set up the season plan. And, you know, in preparation for this talk, we talked about whether you wanted as a coach to have a four-year plan or a one-year plan. And I, I, I always had a four-year plan. And the reason that I had a four-year plan was that that is an educational piece to help the athlete start to understand why they're doing what they're doing based on what USA Swimming sets up every four years, going the year after an Olympic year into the next Olympic Games. And why is that important on any level? There are times that, I mean, one of the beauties of swimming is that you're always categorized in a certain time group. So you're competing against people with equal ability. And it's based on time and age. Well, not many sports can do that. So you're never over your head with who you're swimming against 
in a particular meet because it's seeded based on time. And I, I think that's a beautiful way to plan, right? It's just, it's so organized. It's, it allows you to understand what you're doing, but it's only, it only, the only value it has is if the athlete understands the different right. times and, and what kind of time they have to hit in if they want to advance and how they do that. So I, I know that's a lot, but I think that's where we start in this discussion. Okay. So and what Jack. you're saying is if, if uh, sorry, um, Matt, so what you're saying is like even down to the times, like cuts or qualifications to get somewhere, the swimmers truly need to understand what that is, not just I want to go to X meet. It's I want to go to X meet and this is what I have to do in order to get to X meet. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that that's right. And it, it's so important that staff and athletes talk the same language. You know, we, we talked about earlier in the prep for this, a big part of organizing a team on every level is that you have a common language. But it's it's so critical when it comes to how you're going to train each group and, and where the emphasis is. But along the way, you're looking at what most coaches call the national group or the highest level group of athletes. And you're trying to allow that track from start to end to move in a seamless direction. And in order to do that, if all the coaches and all the athletes don't have a common language, then you have a an educational piece that has to be addressed and doesn't advance that athlete in terms of being able to communicate with the next coach that they advance to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that common language is huge, right? I mean, for the coaches, but the athletes, it just makes them more comfortable as well as they're transitioning from, you know, potentially one group or, or one coach to another coach. Um, but to touch back on the calendar. So if you're planning out a year of, of training, and you've got your, say, then you're breaking it down to a monthly. How often do you revisit that throughout the year or, or maybe tweak that throughout the year? Or is it something that you kind of lay it out and you've got your plan and you know that's what you're sticking with? Yeah. And, and what I did was I would always have the calendar and I went through what I had on the calendar. And then I would also have a spreadsheet. And on the spreadsheet that we talked about, the athlete's going to know specifically what system you're trying to hit in terms of training so that you aren't overtraining a system and you're able to hit every system. And you do it in a way that's probably based on your past experiences, but also the, you know, there, there are a lot of coaches out there and never be afraid to even cold call a coach. It, it's amazing how much uh, help you can get if you just reach out and ask for it. And, and don't be afraid to show that you don't understand. It's there's, there's no school that you go to where you come out and you have a degree in swim coaching. And the only way to learn how to coach is to ask questions. I mean, you can read about it and, and that, that helps a lot, but there's nothing like uh, establishing a relationship with someone that's maybe a little bit farther down the path than you. 
And if if you do that, I think mentorship is really the, the greatest. And I think mentorship in swimming is something that's readily available. And I think it's one of the fastest ways to learn. But I, I caution people if they're cold calling someone and they're trying to establish a relationship with them, understand that if you're being mentored by someone, it's your responsibility to continue to reach out and communicate. Don't wait on the mentor to contact you. I, I yeah. see that happen way too often where you get a phone call from someone and you establish this relationship. And then I think they might be afraid that they're bothering you. But it, it's really, it's still up to the mentor because, or it's up to the person seeking the mentor to stay in touch. and and organize as many times as they need to talk to you and as many times as that mentor might have time for. But don't think that once you've established a relationship that that mentor is going to call and check in on you because if they're worth <laughs> your while of being a mentor, they're too busy to do that. Yeah. I, I thank you for saying that because I think that's a big um, area that people assume that um, these coaches who have the experience are are trying to hold on to this information like it's trade secrets, and they're willing to to give of the information. It's more of the, of the coaches who are afraid to ask. And I think the good thing about mentorship is not only do you get the knowledge, but you get to have a conversation to relate it to you specifically. Whereas if you're in a class, it's great or in a learning format, which are all great. But sometimes making that transition to how do I take this and apply it to our situation or my situation or my club situation, sometimes that's lost and then things don't get implemented. So um, thank you for t for encouraging the coaches to reach out to other coaches. So if you're doing your planning and you don't really understand where you need to go or how you make things fit, reaching out to other coaches is is a is a great way to make that. Um, yeah, make and that I also, leap. yeah, yes, and I also think that you know if if you go to a swim meet and all coaches go to a swim meet, I mean they're they're different. <laughs> There are certain coaches that are very isolated and, and don't meet people because of their location. But when you go to a swim meet, take the time to observe what coaches are doing and, and then situate yourself to be beside a coach that you might be interested in and listen to them. And then when that coach isn't busy, reach over and let them know that you for whatever reason, you're, you're interested in understanding why they do what they do and how they learned to do that. Yeah. And, and that establishes a great opportunity to start to establish that relationship with someone that might be a mentor. So there's so many ways to do it. Like when I first started coaching, I was fortunate enough to be in a pretty big hotbed of coaching. And, uh, the head coach that I worked for would allow me once a month to just drive to a different location and, and watch a different club coach coach. And, you know, if, if you do have an opportunity to do something like that, that that's such a valuable way to learn to, to see what someone yeah. else is doing on deck, not just what they're coaching, but back to the art of coaching. How do they, uh, 
communicate to that athlete and what does that look like? It's, it's just, uh, you know, the, the combination of the art and science, are, you, you never quit learning in those two yeah. fields and you're constantly seeking out ways to uh, improve your communication skills based on your knowledge. That's great counsel. Thank you for that, Jack. I think that's mm-hmm. great for everybody to hear. I'd like to kind of move from that overarching schedule and you're talking about your plan. Now, how does a coach take that schedule and work with the rest of their coaches to make sure that it flows downstream and everybody's kind of on the same um, on the same path? And then how do they work through the things like you know, what I have written down on the sheet is technique, energy systems, yardage, and your quad plan. Like, how do you, how do you move that along to the rest of your coaches? Matt, do you want to start? No, this is all you, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that you have a lot to offer, so don't hesitate. Uh, You know, I'm learning as you're, I'm learning still as you're talking. So I think that's good. (laughs) Well, you know, Renata, I, I think we're becoming a little bit redundant because it, it goes back to creating a season plan. And I, I felt like I categorized that pretty well. And you don't necessarily have to stick with what I say. I, I do. But uh, again, I start with the calendar and the calendar, it has an area for weeks, right? And mm-hmm. I, that's where I start. What system I, am I I'm looking at one year. Normally, they're, they're, when you are starting to design your calendar, you're looking at a short course season and a long course season. Okay. So you're really planning for two different seasons within the year. And, and to some degree, you might have a mid-season meet where you're going to back off just a little bit. That meet is in, it falls in December. And if it falls in the right place for your team, I, I'm going to back up just a little bit. So <laughs> you either have three parts to a year or you have okay. two parts. Short course season and long course season are, are almost everywhere, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. way USA Swimming works. So you're des- designing two seasons within the year. Some coaches utilize a mid-season in the short course season in December to rest their kids just a little bit, not a full rest, to try and get certain times for certain cuts when you go to your championship season in March. And then you start the season over again from the end of March going through July when you have a championship season then. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I have on my calendar weeks. That's one column. Dates. So I might be working just one system for six weeks at the first part of a season. So I might have week one through six with those dates when that falls. And then what the focus is, like normally you're just working on aerobic capacity Mm -hmm. during that time. Then below that or next to that are competitions. Where do the competitions fall in? And what are the locations of those competitions? 
Do I have a training trip planned? Where's the location of the training trip? And then I next to that column is quality. What kind of quality am I trying to accomplish throughout that whole year, each week or the blocks of weeks? And mm. then what's the mental focus? Like if you're going from a club season to high school season, at the end of that high school season, you're bringing all those club swimmers back together again for the first time in maybe six weeks. And yeah. preparing them to know that a big part of that is coming together again, working hard to reestablish the relationships you just walked away from or had established prior to the high school season. You know, I, I have this belief that any time a swimmer leaves the swimming pool, between the time they leave and come back, they are not the same person they were when they left. They aren't. They've yeah. been impacted by school situations. Mm -hmm. They've been, been impacted by family situations. So, you know, you always constantly need to be checking in with them to see who they are and where they are. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's a very... That's the season planning. The calendar is the season planning. And then next, when I get into the workout design, I have a spreadsheet where every day it's telling me what system I'm hitting. And I've given that a lot of thought prior to the beginning of the year so that I know what I'm doing each day. I'm measuring, measuring, measuring. You've got to, you have to measure everything you do. And that, those are the only two pieces of paper you need when you're talking yeah. about training an athlete, training an mm -hmm. athlete. And then that's different for every single group in your team. But yet the developmental coach needs to know what the national team coach is doing and vice versa. So that you're, you're, you're building a common language when you possibly can. And that mm -hmm. common language, it's up to the, the, the upper echelon coaches, meaning the coaches working with a higher level in terms of ability to understand what the developmental coach is doing as well. So, yeah. Renata, when you ask the question about how do you communicate that to coaches within the same team, you really need weekly meetings that just mm -hmm. they may specifically the weekly meeting may specifically talk about that, but it almost always touches on it a little bit before you go into another topic. Yeah. If I were yeah. to go back to your uh, statement about common language, I mean, even like you were talking about even understanding heart rate and how you do heart rate all the way across mm -hmm. the board needs to be, to be the same. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, an example of that is I can walk in, to a, a group or a swimming group and uh, ask them to take a heart rate. And do you take the heart rate for six seconds and then just multiply that by 10? Do you take it for 10 seconds and multiply it by six? <laughs> when, you put your, when you put your fingers on your carotid artery, do you use your thumb? If you use your thumb, it has a false beat in it. It has another beat, so you aren't getting an accurate read. Do you start with the first beat at zero or one? All of those things need to be understood or else 
it's just going to happen the way the athlete or the coach thinks it should happen. Right. It's what the coach is teaching. And honestly, I can go into programs on almost every level and no one, it, it's very seldom explained. That's great. That's great. I think that's cool. Cause that's also, that's athlete education and that's also coach education, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. Right. Because if you're, talking about, yeah, your upper level group is going to be training aerobic capacity. They're going to probably be doing a lot more quality work than say your developmental group, right? But it's good for the developmental coach to understand that, hey, as they progress through, this is how the training changes, right? This is what they're going to be doing as they kind of move through this. And I think that's also a really great education for potentially those coaches of the younger uh, the younger kids who are still developing to understand what they're going to be experiencing as the athlete goes through, which allows them to understand potentially if they're moving up from a group, you know, as they progress to their coaching, what the changes are going to be. Yeah. Right. And, and then you also, and then, sorry, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. No, yep. go ahead. no, no go I don't ahead. want to get you off topic. <laughs> well, I, I, might be, I might be getting ahead of the question, so I'm not sure, but the, the other important thing is that every coach and every athlete, once they're capable of understanding, meaning the athlete, not the coach, but every coach within a program needs to understand the different systems you can train, regardless of whether they are even training that system. And to some degree, they probably are, unless they're very, very early developmental. And, you know, there, there are different ways to do that. And, uh, the, the the direction that I see most coaches going in right now are they they're really training they're training maybe four systems I, I would question whether it's three or four but one is aerobic capacity and they have to understand what aerobic capacity does how to measure it by heart rate and how to measure it by different distances with rest involved and, and then you have aerobic power which is, you know, once I, I don't want to go into the explanation of these, but I, I do think it's important that people understand they need to know they're training a few different systems. Yes. And then the next one is anaerobic capacity. And then the last one is anaerobic power. And, and really that's other than doing technique work, which really falls into aerobic capacity. If Every coach has a clear understanding of what the head coach views those four systems look like, when they should be implemented, and how the athlete can measure them based on time and heart rate. Then you're, then you're really setting the athlete up to be responsible for their own results when you get to a championship meet, mm -hmm. as well as a coach understanding why you're doing what you're doing, how you're measuring what you're doing, and what kind of adjustments need to be made based individually on an athlete reporting to you that, well, today I could not do the anaerobic capacity the way you wanted me to do it. What do you recommend? And hmm. you can't do that with 20 people in a group or 30 people in a group unless they aren't educated in knowing how to measure those things themselves. That's yeah. just so essential. 
I could think about back on my own time, you know, I think if I had understood the systems, I probably would have, there's probably certain times that I probably would have engaged a lot more and understood what I was doing a lot more. I just think Mm -hmm. that me as a swimmer, it would have pulled me in um, if I had understood systems when I was swimming. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I think number one is the coach. I used to have to carry a cheat sheet with me when I started doing this and I'd have to look at, okay, this is how much rest they need or recommended rest. This is where the heart rate should be. And this is the system that I'm training. And I I would, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to start every season by sitting the kids down, getting out a whiteboard. And even if the kid had been in the group for four years, you go through it again and you go through it so many times that you can ask any swimmer in the group to stand up and do the same thing. Then you know you've done a good job of explaining it. If the athlete yeah. can't coach another swimmer on how to hit a certain system based on heart rate and time, based off of their best time, then you aren't doing a good job of explaining it. You just aren't. And the, the same thing holds true of technique. You know, I, I, I used to I used to start every season by having going through technique, proper technique, why we're doing what we're doing and how it applies to the way that you're swimming, because it's different for everyone. But until you can have half your team get out of the water and watch half your team, and work one-on-one and correct stroke, you just aren't really taking, utilizing all the resources that you have. Mm-hmm. And then and then you, you have started to apply the art of coaching as to where every athlete is a coach. You know, they, they can actually be at the wall waiting on another set to happen and watch someone swim in and give them some advice based on what they observed as they swam by each other in terms of underwater technique. It's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Jack, for joining us today and sharing information on how coaches can plan and what they should be looking at in their plan and transferring that over to the rest of their coaches and their athletes and their swimmers and and, uh, teaching their swimmers about the planning um, energy systems and just what they're doing, um, I think is, is really wonderful. I really appreciate it. If the audience has any questions, you can always write us at info at yoursportsresource.com. And, you know, Renata, there's so many good books out there, too. Yeah. Oh, what are they? Can you list a couple? I'm not going to give them. No, there are just so many. Okay. Okay. I do do think that if someone doesn't know where to start with a book, then ask a coach that they respect, a coach that knows them. To I, I just am not good at telling anyone something that I don't know the person and I don't, you know, I don't know enough about them to make a recommendation. If I had a little background, I might feel comfortable doing that, but contact someone that knows you. If you don't know someone that knows you, then yeah, contact us (laughs) and and maybe we can help them out. (laughs) All right. Great counsel. Thank you very much.